people just like you have taken the brave step to do this thing we call work differently. They tell their self-unlimited story to inspire and encourage you. Another story begins now. Hello, listeners. I'm Danny Sorotic and guest hosting for Stories of the Brave. And I'll be bringing you a discussion with an amazing creative community connector and enabler. Yes, a little bit of curiosity building up right now because I'm curious about how she's crafted her own self-unlimited journey. So now let's welcome Phoebe Preuss. Welcome, Phoebe. (laughs) (laughs) Now a little bit about Phoebe. She is a Samoan German, with New Zealand roots, creative entrepreneur, storyteller who works through movement. This is a wonderful connection of workscape here with festival director, community cultural development practitioner, scuba diving instructor, and uh, what I chocolate maker. And what I recently learned just before we jumped onto the cord is also a depth of passion at one point in her life that was around jumping out of planes. So talk about diversity of experiences. Um, She's the co-owner of Living Coco, creates these amazing guilt-free premium cocoa products, which source rich cocoa from the islands in the Pacific and works closely with local and Pacific Island-based organisations. And in doing so is understanding what are the ways which we can support local village and farm communities who cultivate small domestic pots. And I think within that, she's the founder and artistic director of Valusu. Is that correct? Valusu. Valusu. Yeah. yeah, as well as like creating, co-creator of multiple festivals and dance events, which is a... It's just amazing. So many things in your workscape, which is the fascinating thing we're going to talk about too, because self unlimited is about how do we create this workscape with our lives, you know, and our experiences. Sometimes it's spontaneous, sometimes it's planned, sometimes it's inspired. We all do these things differently. We all make choices. And there is no one way or right way. And there is definitely not a linear approach when it comes to these things. So today we get a chance to hear from Phoebe about her journey and her time. So thank you, Phoebe, and welcome. Thank you for having me, Danny. It's nice to be here. So when we talk about our workscape and our life and experiences and how we create and craft it, what what comes to you now in this moment when you sort of reflect back on the decades of how you got to here and now and creating all this diversity and energy and movement in yours? That's a big question. I was just reflecting on it the other day, especially in the way that Living Coco has been going and how things we've been dreaming about have manifested in in a really beautiful, gentle way and realised that, you know, through most of my life, it feels like I've been archiving skills sets, archiving of a different way of being, documenting and really deeply considering the different worlds that I've walked through, not just through it as a Samoan woman, understanding my own culture, but also in a Western space. And I feel like all of that comes together when when connecting to my workscape, 
<laughs> Workscape sounds funny. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just feel like life <laughs> to my life yeah. more than Workscape. I've always uh, moved towards things that really brought fire within my belly and brought me joy and have never held on to the concern or fear that I wouldn't be able to leave a place that wasn't working well for me and mm. move into another space. I've never held on to that feel. I've always been able to move through that quite, quite easily. Yeah. I don't know if I'm answering this question very well, but it's a big, deep question. <laughs> it wasn't the thing I thought we were going to start with. How about I just tell you about my life? Um, I grew up in Samoa, which is a group of very small islands in the South Pacific. My mother's Samoan. She's from, we're from a village called Vaiusu, and my dad's from Vailima. I'm Samoan, German, and have a range of different other uh, European ancestry within me and I also want to acknowledge that at this moment in time I am on Wurundjeri country and I'm really mm. blessed to be able to do my work my mahi on this country. Mm. I did my schooling in New Zealand in Aotearoa and I think from going from Samoa which is a independent country uh, where the Samoan people have their access to their custodial lands and then moving into New Zealand which New Zealand um, is obviously still occupied, but there's a treaty between New Zealand and the Māori people. Not the greatest treaty, but there is a treaty. There's still a huge influence of uh, Māori culture and Indigenous culture within that land. Um, and then moving to Australia and seeing the, the challenges here and also working in community in Northern Territory, you know, a lot of even just the journey of movement from country to country has really shaped my life, my workscape, how I move through this world and what I want to recognize and uh, respect as I move through. My main project that I work on, well, is myself, but... <laughs> that long work thing, in progress. <laughs> always, always a work in progress. Always is, it? yeah. Um, always something else, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. But as, as Living Koko, which you mentioned before, which is our zero waste manufacturing space that deals with cacao and started with working with 10 farmers and now we work with over 400 and even just navigating the growth of Living Koko and respectfully moving spaces in Samoa as well as Australia as it grows. I've had to dive into those archives <laughs> that um, the different the things I learned living in New Zealand, being on Marae with my friends, my Māori friends, and like being very privileged to be in those spaces with my friends there, and then also here, yeah, in NT, it's been it's been a really interesting journey, and everything has kind of fed into what living koko is, which is. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is pretty awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's my high tech temperate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think or and some, you know. <laughs> comes yeah, together. or and some. <laughs> <laughs> that is wonderful. And that's, even with this journey you've been on, I think one of the things you mentioned just before we, we um, came on was the lessons that you drew from moments in time and one of those moments is 
the story of how you got into skydiving. <laughs> Wonder if you can share that story with us now. Yeah, sure. So I've always had a really strong work ethic. Even though I am just doing things that bring me joy, I've always had a strong work ethic and um, started my first job when I was probably about 13, 14 in New Zealand and wanted to support my family as well as, you know, put myself through school in a way. I think that led me to be quite independent, having my own funds and realizing that there are things that I could do or goals or things on a bucket list at the age of 15, like I was writing on my bucket list of what I would love to do and skydiving was one of them. So an opportunity came up where I um, booked in to go skydiving. I told my mom I was going swimming. I forged the note that said that I had parental permission to go on the jump. And I remember as the plane took off and we were all crammed in the back. I actually just started crying because I realized that no one knew where I was. This huge amount of fear came through and it was no longer excitement anymore. Like I was, I was a scared young girl on a plane, but you know, you're on this plane and there's about 10 of you that are about to jump and you one by one, you shimmy out on, you actually have to hold onto the wing of this plane and shimmy yourself out. And oh your my legs goodness. Are, <laughs> I feel sick yeah. already. <laughs> <laughs> your legs are dangling. Your legs are dangling in the air <laughs> and you let go. And for the whole day, you're trained on what happens if you have what's called dirty laundry. So that's when you look up and your chute hasn't opened up properly, but your oh. chute is just like a big bunch of dirty laundry in the sky. And so you're, we went through a whole day of training because it wasn't a tandem jump. Of course of course it wasn't a tandem jump. I didn't book for a tandem jump. I you went next level straight away. I'm like, I'm an independent woman. I gotta jump by myself. So, yeah. Don't you go telling me who to jump yeah. with. Don't you hold my I mean, back. I'll hold my own parachute, thank you. Actually, I'm like, I might wait my pants in the process, but I'm gonna yeah. do it. So um you go for a full day of training and then as the sun sets you jump. And the guy was saying okay let go <laughs> and I wouldn't let go <laughs> and he was like let go now and I was like my hands were just holding on to the wing and then he turns around and he's like don't let go now you can't oh. let go because I had to do another loop around <laughs> so for like literally another whole minute I'm just like hanging on to this wing thinking oh, I should have just let go and then when we came back around he was like go and so I let go there's a photograph that gets taken of you at that point when you let go and you're supposed to be all expansive like your legs and your arms are supposed to come out and you arch your back so you can take on the wind and you, your body can kind of um, flatten and I wasn't I looked like the dirty laundry in the sky <laughs> I was literally in this massive ball of just like what am I doing but the shoot opened and I looked up and this huge amount of confidence, of excitement, of uh, this adrenaline rush that I had never felt before in my life just came rushing through my body. And it kind of continued to, I, this feeling didn't leave me. So whenever something that 
I would be anxious about or fearful of in the future. Instead of fear, I would just feel this rush of excitement to know that, oh yeah, okay, I might be really scared right now about this, but, oh, I might be really anxious about this, but I know when I, I know when the shoot opens, or I know when I do that speech, or I know when I get up and I dance in front of a thousand people, I'm going to get this incredible emotion that comes through and is going to lift my vibration even higher. And throughout my life, I've realized, I was talking to someone last night about that I've run into fear. And it's taken me a little while to differentiate what was safe to run into and, and unsafe. But I've always just run into fear instead of the flight mode. And... I think that's really helped me within my workscape, within my leaving jobs that just weren't for me, that weren't fulfilling, that weren't filling my purpose, moving countries and knowing that just having this confidence that things were going to be okay or this trust that I would make it okay. And yeah. Wow, that's a pretty phenomenal experience that sets you up for the opportunities, being able to take those opportunities and there's that that point I think where we hear that you get growth and you get progress or or you get learning when you're able to marry opportunity and the courage together so when you step in with those bits magical things happen which you know hurts to mind is like how is it that there is that sense of oh my gosh and then you go to excitement <laughs> like what is going on when you're in a space of fear and you're how are you flicking these switches Phoebe? <laughs> <laughs> I probably have a millisecond of self-talk that I focus on the positive outcome mm-hmm. I remind myself that there probably will be an expansion hangover but once that clears like any hangover <laughs> you feel great <laughs> you'll feel fine and you it does clear and you go do it again <laughs> But it's a different kind of hangover, right? Because you do it again and you realize that there's so much growth from these spaces. But yeah, I've had to stop for that millisecond and not create an automatic response without any conscious input. So that second where it makes me go, okay, am I going to be safe after this? Yep. Is this going to help me grow? Yes. How am I going to feel? You're actually going to feel amazing after this. And if you don't do as good as you thought you were going to do, eh, that's okay. Yeah. Be it's kind okay. as your teacher is saying now. <laughs> yeah. Just be kind. Like you're doing the best that you can. Yeah. Really. So what like someone who throws themselves out of planes, takes on amazing changes and transformations throughout your life. You've you've mentioned this thing called expansion hangover. Tell me about this. <laughs> oh, um, for me, my expansion hangover is when I've done something. Okay, for an example, if I've given a speech or I've done an interview and then I walk away and I start dissecting it or critique it with not a positive look on it or a positive lens and I kind of beat myself up about it a little bit. I find that sometimes there's shame that comes through if I haven't done as well a job as I thought I would do. And as a woman and as a afakasi, so walking two worlds uh, in Samoa and also in a Western space. When I was younger, I never felt Samoan enough to be in Samoan spaces. And I never felt Balangi or, you know, Western, 
wide enough to be in other spaces. I, I never felt enough in either space. So I started to almost push myself to try and be 150% in both. All right. Yeah. You know, to learn as much as I could about business, about marketing, about all these kind of Western business concepts and then learn as much as I could about my culture and our ways of being back home. So if I was ever tested about it, and most of the tests were myself putting the tests on, you know, someone would say a small comment and I'd be like, they're testing me. <laughs> they're testing uh, me and I've got and I've got all the answers for it. But mm. they're not testing me, they're just having a, a light conversation. But it was my own lens because I never felt enough in those spaces. Mm. So expansion hanging over is those emotions coming back up. Am I enough to be doing this interview with you, Danny? Am I enough to be on radio? Am I saying um too much? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All the things that um, I can spiral into and then slowly put my closure on it and then realize the growth spirit from it. So Mm. I'm getting better and better at those hangovers not lasting very long. Mm-hmm. and distracting myself with moments with joy and and being being kinder on myself but um yeah. you know it also depends on how tired I am how burnt tired I am and things like that too mm, which is also a really fascinating thing is having that self-awareness as we're going through creating our lives and cultivating that space is, is the awareness of our energy levels and how we move with that. And nature has its cycles of energy. And how is it that you connect to this and, and bring this into how you move mm. through your days with the ebbs and flows? I map out my months based on my circular rhythms and my cycles. And that is also connected to the indigenous ways of cultivation for our cacao for understanding which trees should be looked after and in permaculture or also indigenous ways of cultivation you have a week that you look after the soil the week after that you look after like your leafy annuals the week after that you look after your fruit trees and then the week after that you look after your root plants so or your yams and your taro and your potatoes and things like that so if you're looking at the four weeks the week of my soil is the week that I'm on my menstrual cycle. And so I'm the soil, I'm looking after my body, I'm looking after myself. I don't book meetings during that soil time. <laughs> no, like there's very limited access to me during that time. And the week, the following week is the leafy annual. So there's all these new ideas popping up, this new burst of energy. Yeah. I'm the yes person during that week. This is when I book a lot of my creative brainstorms creating new ideas and things like that collaborations is during this week the following week is when i is the fruit trees so these ideas we're bringing to we're creating fruit out of them they're growing these trees are growing and the following is the root plants so that's where i'm in deep reflection on what's happened over the last three weeks that's also a no week i don't uh, you know if you come to me with an idea while I'm looking at the depths of my tarot plantation, then the the answer's no. It's it's a hard no. So again, I don't book creative uh, meetings, workshops, and things like that during that time. I'll book learning discussions where we're going diving deep into what we've done or what our projects over the last few months and what were all our learnings from that. And, And gently we guide ourselves through that. 
and then the following week back to our soils so back to looking after myself and just putting things to rest and closing things off within I guess a business space but not doing anything too strenuous yeah how does working with that sort of cyclical pattern help you like what are the benefits for you to be able to work this way and choosing to work this way as well right yeah I realized that if I was to push myself while I'm in the week before my soil time it just brings me into burnout faster yeah so the exhaustion from pushing myself over those two weeks means that I'm not going to show up the best I can for the for my leafy annuals and for my fruit trees (laughs) so um but if I make sure that that is me putting things to rest then then I can be a better person in those spaces And, and speaking of spaces, one of the things you do is nurture and cultivate community, right? Yeah, yeah. I studied. Look at you smiling and going, yeah. <laughs> um, I studied community cultural development as my postgrad. And I've always been a, I've always been a Polynesian dancer. So I, I was looking the other day, our photos of when I was dancing is like three years old or four years old. And, um, always been on a stage performing and sharing culture in that way and seeing how dance and movement just bring so much joy and brings community together seeing all the aunties and the women come together to activate these spaces to you know support the person facilitating and things like that and so it wasn't it was just up until the end of COVID that I mean the beginning of COVID that we had a Polynesian dance school here in Melbourne called Nuholani, run by myself and the incredible Noilani Lenevez. Yeah, I I miss that. <laughs> I miss those spaces of community and I feel like it's, I'm, I'll go back to it, but the morphing into spaces of nourishment, spaces of supporting people through healing, um, using our cacao through those spaces and also just connecting people just to simple things, simple tools that are available for us that are free you know once we have these tools uh, the connection to nature the connection to our secular rhythms and understanding it the connection to the moana the oceans i just find all that really important and also part of my culture and through dance as well as through my culture through being Samoan. as a polynesian dancer you are the personification of the natural resources so, you know, as you move into um, showing what the wind looks like or showing what the moana, the rolling oceans look like, you feel that energy through your body. You feel that connection. You call in that energy and you call in that mana. Uh, what is mana in English? The spiritual potency of those spaces. You call it into yourself. And so when you get to dance it and when you get to replicate it, you become one with it. And I feel like you become one with almost like one with the universe, you realize you are part of this ecosystem that is happening all around you, no matter what systems, no matter what timelines, business timelines and things like that, that we put on ourselves in this strange machine that we're born into. At the end of the day, we're actually all part of an ecosystem. And it's through dance that I get to channel that again. It's through scuba diving that I get to connect with that again. It's through jumping out of a plane that I'm like connected to that mana, to being connected to something that I can't see, to air, to wind, 
to feel that vibration coming through me. It's, you know, nature walks and things like that. And, and even just dancing, we always dance barefoot on the earth. I, we get connected to that mana coming through. So I don't know if I've answered your question because I've totally forgotten what it was, but um, that's my story. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It is true. It's a sense of connection, right? It's conscious and it's unconscious. And then there's this movement between consciously doing a dance movement that all of a sudden it blends into this unconscious connection and unity mm. with the the ecosystem we live in, which I, I think is so profound and you do feel it and, and it is simple, right? And I think the beautiful elegance of that simplicity doesn't feel so simple when there's all this activity and planning and preparation that brings to that but the, mm. uh, you know that thing you do in the moment you know whether it's movement you know through the ocean and well, I was thinking about you the other day because to the listeners here I actually went to a beautiful ceremony and got to experience some of the Samoan dance and they're beautiful movements and you really do start to you do them consciously but then all after a moment you are suspended in time and you are taken to that space and you are there it's as if we are there here now and it's one of the practices I I also bring to my like some of my meditations and ways of re reconnecting your body into a space by connecting to these moments and sensations because we have a mo- imagination and we can bring the sensation back by connecting to these experiences so it is profound and with that I kind of go you don't need a virtual reality set like that's pretty cool. You don't need it. You just be and do the moment and all of a sudden that unlimited feeling and experience and, and of expansion that happens when we are here recognising the stars and connecting with the stars. Mm-hmm. Is it like the stars? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going, <laughs> no one can see this right now in the audio, but I'm like flashing my fingers, but there is a, a beautiful dance movement that uh, Phoebe has shown that it's totally different like two fingers on both hands crossing each other and moving across the the air in front of us the sky as you look up and you become in awe (laughs) you know it is a moment of awe when you stare at the stars it is a moment of awe and I think we're so caught up in this ego system that we are born into and that we're trained to be part of that we forget that we're stardust. Like we, we forget that we are all part of this big bang that happened millions of years ago, you know? And that it's so profound that we're here and we're living and we're alive. And we've created all these systems and ways to control the spaces, to make things safe, etc., and to try and live in harmony. But through that, we've also lost our touch with actually realizing who we are in the now. Like we can have all these identities that are connected to our businesses, our branding, like all this stuff. But at the end of the day, like we're just nature. We are nature. And I think sometimes um, I had a friend the other day and even myself, I'm like, man, I miss nature. I just miss being in nature. And then I had a moment of like, well, hang on, I'm nature and you're nature. (laughs) So community (laughs) is nature too. So talking on these screens, we don't feel that but when we're with people and we can feel their energy then oh yeah that's right this is all part of being in nature yeah 
a living, breathing system. <laughs> that is wonderful. And I think my last thing to ask you about is one of the things you said about the choices you've made and the journeys and the navigations you've played around with in creating this life, which involves dance festivals, music, having creating experiences for yourself as well, is this navigation to what brings me joy. So these are the words you said to me. It's like, you know, I'm I navigate to what brings with this like navigation system, a GPS that says, what brings me joy? How, how does that little gadget work within you? Where is it? Um it starts with a gut feeling. I, I lost my dad. I'll talk about losing my dad. <laughs> I lost my dad in March 2020. And I was so used to the grieving spaces we have back home, which are self-care, communal self-care. You know, you have your, um, like a marae, you have a space where everyone comes together and they share, they, sh- they speak their stories about the person who's passed into the space and their memories live on losing dad and then going straight into lockdown meant I had to grieve on my own. I remember writing a list (laughs) in that grieving process and trying to remind myself of things that could bring me joy. And on that list was, I, it was almost like my next bucket list. Uh, And I, I mentioned I wrote my bucket list, the first bucket list when I was 15 and I finished it when I was 23. And then I sat there going, huh? <laughs> what do you do when you've done everything on the bucket list? <laughs> do you kick the bucket? Like, what are you supposed to do here? So anyway, went into a wormhole about that. But fast forward, dealing with dad's death, and I wrote another list of everything that I wanted to do that was going to bring me joy. And then just started to navigate my way towards that. And it was the most simple things, like roller skating. I think roller skating will make me smile. I think going for a walk and listening to music will make me smile. I needed to remind myself what that joy felt like in my gut, what that joy felt like in my heart. And then once I remembered what that felt like, then it became easier to see it in everything that I was doing or see it in the decisions that I was making a yes or a no about. Is this feeling within my heart in this decision? No, it's not. Then it's gone. And we're not doing that. I lost a really good friend also in 2012 and went through a lot of anxiety and depression and grief through Jill's death. And her death was such a public affair. I think Melbourne, or felt like Australia and Melbourne was grieving over Jill when she was killed. Mm. And it stopped me from leaving the house it stopped me from doing anything that brought me joy. And I remember a lot of my friends used to say, oh, I just miss the old you. I miss how you used to be. You were so so much fun and now you're just, you know, you're just never going out. You're, never, you're not that person we, you were before she passed. And I realised even then that I had to write a list and take really small, gentle steps on what was joyful because I forgot what that felt like and I think we all go through it like we go through those times where we're so deep in the dark well that we don't know how to get out and yeah. we all, um and for me it's just yeah writing the most basic list like 
Mm. I remember one of them was like, look for that rabbit. Look for the rabbit that's on that walk that yeah. you take. You're going for a walk today. Oh, let's see if that rabbit's still there. Oh, yes, it's there. Awesome. <laughs> I'm winning today. <laughs> you know, rabbit showed up. <laughs> rabbit showed up for me. I'm going to show up for myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just simple, small things like that to get me back into a space of remembering what it feels like to be light. And since then, I, I only just want to create spaces for community that lets them walk away feeling lighter about mm -hmm. what's going on within their lives and within the world. They walk away with a gentle lens on themselves. Our word in Samoa for love is alofa. Yeah. And when you break it up, alo means gentle and fa means consideration. Mm. So I always remind myself that, you know, if I want to show love, it is gentle consideration. It is yeah. gentle consideration. And also the Māori word for love is aroha. And when you break that up, it aro and ha means attention to breath. Oh, wow. So mm. I'm always thinking of these two words of bringing my attention to my breath, bringing gentle consideration, and then does this bring me joy? Yeah. Or is this a, or what we're about to go through, is it a journey that will go to the other side of joy? Yes or no? Yep, I think it will be cool. Let's go on this journey. Wow. It's like elegant and profound. Joy and love guiding choices and decisions and actions. I'm like, when you look at maybe the path to now this as the thing that's moving you through life and, and work and connection, what difference is this making? It's making a huge difference, uh, a difference for myself to start with and mm. being able to show up to spaces with <laughs> with a spring in my step. Yeah. <laughs> with a spring in my step and, and, and a joyful kind of demeanour and, yeah. you know, like ain't nothing going to break up my stride kind of attitude. <laughs> I love that song. Sometimes that's my morning jam. Um, oh, fantastic. That's a good <laughs> song. And then also for like our business for Living Coco, yeah. it has allowed me to get out of my own way to help the business grow. It's reminded me to put my self-doubt aside. It's reminded me to to jump through the fear to then move through it because I know that there's going to be massive growth on the other side, like to walk on the hot rocks. And that's then helped us move from working with 10 farmers to over 400 domestic pot farmers, seeing the changes in Samoa from the trade and aid approach that we're taking. And then also we just recently did, um, just got back two weeks ago, roughly two weeks ago, from a tour of Samoa, a koko tour of Samoa, which we took a number of cacao enthusiasts, uh, some of our retailers, um, people that worked with cacao, to Samoa for five days and four nights, and we walked the plantations. We, you know, I promoted it as an agricultural tourism event, but... If anyone knows our brand <laughs> and, and, you know, if they're booking it's because they know our brand, we'd, it was a lot more than that. It was a wellness event that was a beautiful time to rest. Samoa, there's only one pace in Samoa and it's yeah. slow. 
you know <laughs> if you want to be forced into stillness go to somewhere <laughs> but with gentle reflection all the way through mm. like some beautiful mirrors of what our lives are like here in australia what we can be grateful for here that we probably don't take absolutely no notice of but what we don't have back at home but also what we have back at home of yeah. laughter of joy of community yeah and not necessarily the materialistic things that we have here yeah yeah and what they what the consideration of what we think is enough back home and what we'll do and what we think we have to have here and what isn't working so yeah yeah it was for the people that came the response was it was a huge growth spurt for them and a great time of deep reflection and rest which i don't think we do enough of resting well well that's it isn't it and i think before we did talk about reflection and release and and that happens when you do create space for it right and in many traditions that is always valued and nurtured so there's always time for that and it's a it's a great lesson where ancestry and nature can remind us of that mm. even though we try to constantly engineer our way out of it there's like what's wrong with what if what if you brought this in you still can create and succeed and achieve in ways that are right for you rather than right for somebody else um, or a system that isn't connected to the ecosystem so so interesting to be back home and like on our custodial lands to remember the weight of your surname when you go home and you're actually on your lands a lot of people wouldn't have that experience being so far removed from their ancestral lands mm. the weight the celebration that comes with it and also the intergenerational trauma so the of our families that are still there dealing with things that probably happened five six generations ago Montague and Capulet kind of stuff yeah, you know yeah. that's still happening but for us you know the privilege that we have when living being able to move from place to place, mm -hmm. to be able to make enough money to move, yeah, to, to have enough people around us that we can yeah. go, oh yeah, I might need a new group of friends, you know, <laughs> but these people aren't my vibe at the moment and I'm moving into a different space emotionally, mm -hmm. physically, and we have those options. In some islands and in some villages and spaces, those options aren't there for, for them. So how do they deal with it? How, how do they continue to foster joy? And, and put things aside to create community. Like there were so many learnings there where we can just go, oh yeah, now next, move on, swipe right. <laughs> Stop. <Yeah. laughs> oh, we don't have to deal with it yeah. until we have a breakdown later yeah. on. <laughs> or when we're crying and we don't know why we're crying about something because something's coming out sideways. <laughs> you know, they're, they're having to deal with it and having to work through it. There's only the now. That, that is right. There is only the now. Very true. On wrapping up, what would be one thing you'd like to, to sort of help people encourage them in terms of finding their drumbeat, their rhythm, to be able to move through and craft and create their thing called life as being unlimited and it's life, it's, it's everything together or not, but what is it that you would offer as wisdom? to help people sort of step in and, and explore their own creation of their workspace and life. I'm going to offer something that I did that I know most people will say, oh, I'm never going to do it. 
<laughs> but I'm going to say it. Jump out of a plane. <laughs> <laughs> um, I cycled Melbourne to Sydney by myself and it took me two and a half weeks to do and I camped the whole way. And when I came back, I could have probably done this an easier way, but when I came back, <laughs> I, for the first time, I could only hear my own voice. I didn't have the noise and the clutter that society or that I had, well, so you say society, but it's myself putting that pressure on myself. I didn't have that anymore within my head. I didn't have the spirals that were happening. I could have probably locked myself in a room for two weeks and had the same kind of effect, but also pushing myself and challenging myself in that way helped me quieten the voices. I'm an active meditator. So I think find the way that works with you, that helps you meditate and remove the noise and find your own voice in your gut. Because I think sometimes our emotions in our heads can overpower us so much that we think we're hearing ourselves, but we're not actually hearing our true self. Yeah. We're hearing the overwhelmed sounds and the noise. Yeah. Yeah. Separate the noise from the signal in the loud yeah. time and do it in a way that works for you. Yeah. Yeah. Stevie, I just want to thank you so much <laughs> for taking the time to share, you know, your journey, your story of how you create and craft, you know, this life and this workscape and your experiences and all your learnings of growth. <laughs> So really, thank you. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. Workscapes are changing everywhere. For more goodness to change your workscape, visit www.beselfunlimited.com 